Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action. What do the Quran and environmental justice have in common? As it turns out, quite a bit. Ecologist Huda Alkoff, today's guest for Spirit in Action, is nationally recognized for her work with interfaith environmental justice organizations. As a founding member and director of Wisconsin Green Muslims, she connects religion, collaboration, and care for our common home, the earth. Huda is a woman of distinction. She holds degrees in conservation ecology, environmental education, and sustainable development from the University of Georgia. Besides Wisconsin Green Muslims, she is a founding member of Wisconsin Interfaith Power and Light and the Interfaith Earth Network of Southeastern Wisconsin. Although much of Huda's work is based in Wisconsin, state and national organizations have dubbed her a champion for change and an environmental hero of the year. For the next hour, Huda brings us up to speed on her personal history with environmental justice. She introduces us to the Islamic traditions that encourage reverent and responsible use of natural resources. These traditions inform the service work of Wisconsin Green Muslims, including their Faith and Solar Initiative, F-A-R-A-H, or Faithful Rainwater Harvesting, and the annual celebration of Greening Ramadan. With her kind voice, educational expertise, and commitment to her faith, Huda invites us to reconsider how faith traditions can help build a sustainable future. Huda Alkoff joins me by phone from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Huda, thank you so much for joining me for Spirit in Action. Thank you very much for having me. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be with you all. And with you too. That's from the Catholicism I grew up with. I'm Quaker now, but... You know, peace be with you and with you also was how we said it in English. And also peace with the earth, which is what I think we'll be talking about today. Is there any kind of special saying for peace with the earth in Arabic? Well, when we say peace, salam alaikum, it's in like in a plural form, so it encompasses all, really. You're part of Wisconsin Green Muslims, and I understand that it was formerly known the Islamic Environmental Group of Wisconsin. Wisconsin Green Muslims is a lot easier to fit in in one mouthful. When did you switch the name? In 2015, I found that it's time to shorten the, the long name. So, uh, like when we celebrated 10 years, that's when we decided to go with the Wisconsin Green Muslims. So there's 13 years history to the organization. How long have you been with it? Oh, I'm the founder, and that's my baby, really, the group itself, the idea. I think you must have been very connected with environmentalism before starting Wisconsin Green Muslims. Where does your involvement with environmentalism stem from? I'm an environmentalist and ecologist from early on, really, and my education is in ecology, so I'm an ecologist and I look at ecology as the study of the connections and interdependence. So that's where my training is and then wanted to bridge the gap between faith and ecology and just look at the commonalities and the roots and how to live my life in a wholesome way. I decided to, from this group, to 
see how, how we can do that, how we can live our faith the way that we'd like to. Is there anything that drew you specifically to go into ecology? How far back did you study that or begin to study that? Yeah, I like to like share my original story. Like it's like when I was really young, the, my family, my teachers used to ask me, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And my answer was, "I want to be an ecologist, an environmentalist." Although I did not know at that time what that means, but what drives me was my connections to nature, my love of the water, the birds, the animals, and the plants, and just was mesmerized by the complexity and the connections. And I was looking for which field would explain this to me, like how can I be part of that and, and study it. So I studied both biology and chemistry. So I have degrees in both, but was yearning for some more interconnection between them. That led me to studying ecology, conservation ecology, and especially also systems ecology, how we can look at the issues in a systems thinking way, not just focusing on its parts in a separate way. That's where I am. That kind of thinking is a great change for our world. I mean, I was physics teacher along the way when I was in Togo in West Africa as a Peace Corps teacher. I was teaching physics, chemistry, and math. A lot of physics up until Einstein's time was Newtonian physics. This leads to this, leads to this. It's a straight line. Systems ecology is so much more complex. It's a web instead of a simple line. How many years did you have to study to go from being able to talk about biology and chemistry to be able to talk about systems ecology? My higher education was at the University of Georgia, in Athens, Georgia, and uh, so I did that there, and then afterwards I just continued on with studying also system thinking in different ways. So I'm currently now with a group here in Wisconsin called Wisconsin's Water Thinkers Network, and we are looking at how we look at water from a system thinking point of view, and I'm also looking at system thinking incorporating human systems thinking dynamics with another group in the Midwest looking at how climate and energy can be looked at from that point of view. So, yeah, I'm fascinated with these connections, and now we can incorporate them into real-life problems. We have the blessing of having you working with Wisconsin Green Muslims in Wisconsin. Your studies, as you said, were down in Georgia which is a lot warmer than Wisconsin was just recently, minus 20 plus degrees. Did you decide that the environment up in Wisconsin needed more of your attention? Is that why you came north? No, it was a life journey. I just love water, and there they, we had salt water, like the, the ocean there, which was great. I worked with uh, Saplo Island and uh, Skidaway Island, uh, where it's in the coastal area of Georgia. So that was where my research is. Uh, but then, uh, primarily, University of Georgia and the School of Ecology there, the founder of uh, ecology is uh, Professor Eugene Odom, and he was my mentor. So that was why I studied there under his supervision. But then here we have, in Wisconsin, we have the Great Lakes, and the water also is fascinating to be at. So, yeah, that's where uh, the journey <laughs> brought me here to Wisconsin. 
did you come up here for work specifically or was it all the lakes and the, the Great Lakes and the other lakes that pulled you north? It was family, family transition. Ah, uh, okay. Um, so I wanted to talk a fair amount about your background that equips you to be part of Wisconsin Green Muslims. Uh, but of course I want to talk about what the organization has been doing for the 13 years of its existence so far. When you started, did you have co-founders going in with you? I mean, or were you a lonely voice crying in the wilderness? Or how ready was the local Muslim community for launching this new view of the world? Yeah, in in 2000, in Wisconsin here, um, I found a group of uh, interface volunteers also interested in um, environmental work. So there was a group there, and we formed together, and I became so involved then in interfaith work uh, on the environmental issues. And we were all like one from each uh, faith tradition, or not all faith traditions were, were there, but the main faith traditions uh, were represented. And so we were, um, we found ourselves and we formed group then, and I helped to form that uh, group, and then I formed another group. Uh, after that, but so in the meantime, when I was dedicated to the interfaith environmental uh, work, I said, well, well, I need to also um, dedicate some work um, and time for the uh, Islamic faith and how we can connect, uh, how we can study and, uh, and find the uh, environmental teachings that are in the scripture. Um, so that's when, uh, in 2005, I uh, said, "This is <laughs> I need to designate some time for Wisconsin Green Muslims for for to focus on the Islamic faith and its rich connection with nature and the environment." But it stemmed from the work that we've been doing uh, with the interfaith uh, group on environmental issues. And that organization, are you, are you? There's a lot that you're affiliated with: Wisconsin Interfaith Power and Light. There's Interfaith Earth Network, Wisconsin Network for Peace and Justice. You're affiliated and working partnerships with a lot of different groups. Which group are you specifically talking about that you were first involved with? Yeah, I changed its name <laughs> several times, but uh, finally it became Wisconsin Interfaith Power and Light, and that's where I was. I was one of the founding members, and I became the president of it. Um, but yeah, that's the work there motivated me to, uh, to establish a separate uh, pathway, but connected. All our work was definitely connected, uh, but focusing on the Islamic scripture and ways to engage the Muslim community. It is interesting to me. There's someone who we work with who does Citizens Climate Radio. His name's Peterson Toscano, and he sometimes sits in for me he, for Spirit in Action episodes about climate change, and it's environmentalism also in a very broad sense, too. But he has a background as an evangelical Christian, and so he's gone back and looked at the both the Hebrew and the Christian scriptures and found a number of things that a lot of people read past. What did you find in your research, or are you depending your, in, in terms of looking at the Quran or other scriptures, what have you found that you feel like was new or relatively unlooked at scripture? Yeah, our um, 
Our primary two um, sources for the work is the Quran, the holy book from Islam, and the Hadith, uh, which is the reports on the sayings and traditions of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. So that's what inspires and guides uh, our work. Yeah, looking at different uh, things every time it's the holy book it has sacredness like the book of, of creation, like it's every time it's a new lesson, but it's renewed and we, we, we look at it uh, from a new lens, depends on our growth, our personal growth really, but the lessons are there. So what we do is we bring those uh, lessons in and connect them with something that's happening right now and we um, we just in, reinform ourselves that uh, the connections with the sighting of the new present, uh, it's a way for us to awaken opportunity and begin to connect with the movement of the moon in its phases. That's, that's the Islamic lunar and Hijri calendar. Um, we have this uh, calendar, and, and the beginning of the month is the new crescent, and we, it's a pleasure always to look for it to determine the new month. And, the, and then our connection with the movement of the sun uh, for the Islamic five daily prayers, so we have the Fajr or the dawn prayer, uh, the Dhuhr or the noon prayer, the afternoon or the Asr prayer, the Maghrib or the sunset prayer, and then the Isha, the evening prayers. So these orientations uh, are there in our faith, uh, and so how we can look at the messages in the, the Quran and the Hadith that tells us about these uh, wonders of the, the sun and the moon. And then when we look at the chapters of the Quran, there are several chapter titles, for example, the cow, the honey-making bees, the light, the ants, the spider, the star, the iron, the people, the pen, the dawn, the sun, the moon, the night, the day, the fig, the elephant, etc. There are many stories, um, and then there is in the Quran and, uh, and also in the Hadith, tells us to be like a tree. And then there's another saying from the Prophet that says, be like a bee, and what lessons we can learn from that. So I, I like to look at all these uh, messages and just uh, drive some connections and inspiration uh, that can move us forward. You know, the Prophet, and when he received the teachings, was living in what we consider a desert environment from Wisconsin's point of view, certainly. Does that mean that the messages sound different when you're sitting in the abundance of water that we have here in Wisconsin? Are there different lessons, or do the lessons have to be seen through different eyes? The lessons are there. I mean, uh, like even if you have an abundance, your responsibility to only take what you need. And this is the balance, which is a key concept in Islam, and it's also a concept in ecology that we have the eco ecological balance. Um, so they are there in both. I like to see the, the parallels there. So Muslims are advised to be moderate in every aspect of life. Uh, in the Quran, chapter 7, 31, um, God says, O children of Adam, so this for all of us, eat and drink, but waste not by access, for God loved not the wasters. And then Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, forbade a person to waste water, even in washing for prayer, on the bank of an abundantly flowing river. Yeah, and so that does apply both to the desert and certainly to here. Are there things that you found that are different because of the environment here? Of course, 
just uh, if, I mean, if you, I've, we've done um, like a, a study um, a few years ago where we asked for stories from a Muslim community about what connects them to nature, like what what's that memory that that they have for nature, what that story that they can share about um, a precious moment with nature. And when we gathered those stories, what was the common theme was water. Water was there. They had those emotional connection with water, like the, the preciousness of water. Um, I found that was like really an amazing um, outcome that, that I found from that and um, it resonated with me, of course. Like for, for us uh, Muslims, Water, I mean, because we, in addition to, like, how water is scarce and, and, and of course, uh, um, sacred and precious, when we fast, we abstain from water, in addition to food, but we abstain from water. So in Ramadan or in any other voluntary fasting, we don't drink water from dawn to dusk. And when, when the time to break your fast, the first thing you do is you drink um, some water. That's how you break your fast. And, and that moment is just incredible, like unimaginable, and I cannot describe it in words. But that's where really you appreciate that sacred gift of water when you drink those uh, droplets of water. And um, so there is a very spiritual and deep connection with water. Because Islam does use a lunar calendar as opposed to the solar year, that means that Ramadan, when it happens, particularly where we live, is a very different duration. Instead of being basically 12 hours a day, it can be much, much longer here at, when you're doing when Ramadan falls in June. And so that means that people are going without water when they're fasting for 16 hours instead of 12. <laughs> How hard is that? And, and have anything to do with a green Ramadan? Water, um, definitely it is a training for us uh, really to abstain from something that you, uh, that you treasure and you might have as, uh, access to, but you're voluntarily abstaining from it to, to, to teach us that there are Many, many, many people don't have access to whatever you, you do. So you don't take things for granted. So that's deepening our uh, connection with uh, those who, who do not have what we have and, and therefore appreciating more what we have and uh, be more compassionate in our work and connection with humanity. Uh, but the wisdom of Ramadan is that it, uh, with the lunar calendar, it moves every year, um, 11 days up. So, so Ramadan rotates throughout the year. And it says that every um, person in their life will experience Ramadan in all, the, in all the seasons. And so there you have the uh, people in the North Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere. All of them will experience it in all, whether it's in the short uh, days or in its long days. Everyone will experience the same thing. Everyone will have the same experience. 
in their lifetime. That's not always long. I mean, it's not always short. But uh, what we, uh, in, in Green Ramadan, which was the second question for you, is uh, family, several um, messages, which whatever themes we work on throughout the year, whether it's uh, learning about uh, climate change or water or food or energy, um, solar energy efficiency, fair trade, um, recycling waste reduction, transportation equity, uh, and the environmental and climate justice uh, aspects of them. We focus in Ramadan and how to make it the best it could be in terms of uh, reducing our... Um, minimizing and reducing our uh, ecological footprint, in whether it's in the form of energy or, uh, or water. Or, and while we're doing that, we are increasing our spirituality and um, learning more about um, connection to the, to the messages and, and to live our, our faith the way we, we want it to be. Do you do Eid differently as part of Green Muslims? We say in, in our um, Green Ramadan calendar, which is uh, posted on our website, uh, Wisconsin Green Muslims, and then Green Ramadan, we have a calendar, a daily calendar. And so uh, at the end of Ramadan, we have those messages that tells people, shop responsibly, reduce one-time use of gift wrapping, waste, support, eco-friendly, sustainable products. Because that's the time when people start shopping and preparing for Eid, which is the celebration of ending the fast. And then the, we also mentioned the message to remind people that to pray outside, that's what the Prophet used to do. And uh, that's, that's a really wonderful um, experience when you pray outside. Touch the grass, melt the earth, rain or shine, glorify and praise the, the Creator. And then we say Eid Mubarak, so blessed Eid. Uh, we try to encourage... Uh, uh, the Muslim community to pray outside, and um, in the past few years, we have been uh, successful to um, help the community to host their aid prayers outside um, at the park, and uh, so there are like thousands of people gathered there, and we all collectively pray the aid prayer uh, together, of course, when the weather is nice, um, so, and we have two aids, so we have we have like an opportunity if we one Eid did not work, the other one will. We have the Eid which comes after Ramadan, and then we have the Eid which comes uh, during the Hajj season. Uh, so that's another uh, Eid. So yeah, we uh, we encourage uh, praying outside and celebrating outside. I assume Ramadan can also fall during December or January. Oh my goodness, if it had been 20 below, I don't take it you go out to the snow for your outdoor worship in that point. I, I'm, not, I'm not assuming, I'm assuming that that's just sense of not go out during those months. Sure, sure. I'm just saying, that's what I mentioned. We have, like we have two Eids, and so if one, and there's several months in between. So I mean, we, we have opportunity to at least one of them to pray uh, gather as a community outside, but when, whenever the weather is not helping, of course, we gather inside. We, we reserve a large hall, and that's where uh, we gather for the celebration. 
so if people go to wisconsingreenmuslims.org and you can see what Huda al has brought together for Wisconsin Green Muslims, uh, there's a, a year-long program. There's a calendar that you have, Huda, that talks about uh, different aspects of ecology, environmentalism, and your work. Uh, how do you come up with this? Are the, is this all from your education? Is there anything uh, from Muslim groups outside of Wisconsin that guides this calendar as well? Uh, this work, uh, this model um, developed after several years of trying, and we finally like landed on this model, and we found that it worked for us. And, and primarily it's because like, uh, like I, I first wanted to work on, on many things and, and, and then how, you can, how can you do that? But if you designate uh, like a whole month for one um, theme, then that focuses on that theme and it helps us. What we do is we, like, we move from one mosque to the other uh, during that month uh, and then we do some activities around that theme. Uh, and we collect, uh, w- uh, we quantify the results that we gather throughout the, that month, and then we we celebrate whatever uh, outcome was from that uh, month. How how much uh, like water we saved, or uh, how many recycling we've done, how many um, solar assessments we've done, how many um, fair trade products we've uh, sold or distributed. Uh, like that kind of we have some quantification method uh, just to um, have it on record and so that we can say next year uh, we can do better. Uh, we did that last year, but this year we can do better. And so next year we can we have like a goal to move forward to. But in addition to having this um, focus on different themes, it also helps us to connect with a wide variety of audience. People have different interests and people have different uh, ways that they would like to connect or participate in. So with this variety uh, of topics, we found that uh, we connect with a different, as I mentioned, different uh, population uh, each month. So, for example, in uh, during the summer months, we find families are more attracted to the food and, uh, and the vegetable gardens, and we have kids participating. Uh, when we talk about fair trade, we, we find business, uh, grocery shop, uh, uh, business people who have those grocery shops um, will be more uh, interested in uh, finding out what's going on or, or other also uh, individuals would, would be also interested in finding out how they can uh, participate. Uh, when we talk about... Uh, energy, energy efficiency, or, or solar. We find engineers are coming into the mix and, and, and helping out. And, and then when we talk about transportation, we, uh, we connect with seniors, the, the disabled community, uh, as well as students who are uh, using transit. So we have that connection there. Uh, when we talk about recycling, we connect with the youth, and we do lots of... Uh, friendly competition about how much we can collect uh, uh, to recycle uh, and we like uh, have some kind of uh, rewards uh, for uh, those who've recycled we give them uh, like for example a pen 
that's made of uh, out of recycled plastic bottle or uh, or we make some uh, bags that are made out of recycled uh, plastic uh, and so uh, that kind of different population where we can activate and so that so the diversity of, uh, of approaches helps us in connecting with the diverse uh, audience and, and we kind of like that and it's wonderful to have that energy be brought in from so many different directions, the, the different passions people bring to it. Uh, folks, you're listening to Spirit in Action, a Northern Spirit Radio production on the web, northernspiritradio.org, with 13-plus years of our programs for free listening and download. You'll find links to our guests. It's pretty easy to spell, wisconsingreenmuslims.org. We have the link on northernspiritradio.org, along with all of those guests of these past years. And we have a comment button. Please share a comment when you visit. We also have a donate button. That's how this full-time work is supported, not through corporations and not through government, but through your contributions. So please click donate when you come and support your local community radio stations. We're visiting today with Huda Alkaf, who's down in Milwaukee. There's a number of different wonderful community radio stations there. The River West area in particular has a wonderful station that you should connect up with. They need your support. Support them first so we can get out the news and the music that just doesn't appear on our main, on mainline stations. So start with them, please. Huda Alkoff is again here, and she's founder, or at least one of the founders, of Wisconsin Green Muslims. And I was going to ask you, Huda, about how big the organization is, if it's a membership organization. Uh, I mean, I imagine anybody can participate in your Green Ramadan or your monthly programs, but is there actually a membership too? We found that the model that I mentioned, uh, that each theme, uh, when we start the year, we connect with different uh, mosques and Islamic centers, uh, Islamic schools, whether they're formal or informal, and uh, we tell them this is the program for the year, what are you interested in, and so uh, through that collaboration, uh, the membership uh, as such uh, are, are coming from those entities, from those organizations, so we have people who are participating and doing the work in their own uh, organization, the mosques and schools, those we, uh, we uh, like, considered our uh, supporters, that those that engage in the programs and those who are uh, running, yeah, the activities uh, in connection with their own uh, mosques or schools. And is the green Ramadan, for instance, is this observed in other areas outside of Milwaukee? I mean, we have a wonderful Muslim community up here in the Chippewa Valley, and the mosque is over in Altoona. Uh, do they have represent? Do you have representatives of green Muslims there who are help leading people out to the local parks? We've got a lot of wonderful greenery up here. Wisconsin Green Muslims is a statewide uh, group, so we would uh, definitely like to connect with organizations anywhere in Wisconsin. Um, so far, we have not yet with that mosque uh, that you mentioned, but we would uh, definitely like to connect with uh, with any organization. And I'm sure that there's some people from the Altoona Mosque who are listening today, and please, let's connect you up with Huda Alkaf and Wisconsin Green Muslims, the links, of course, on org. 
Let's talk about a few other things that you've uh, been involved with. One of them is the Faith and Solar Initiative. Could you tell our li- our listeners what this is? And uh, when I saw a solar bus tour, I was very excited about that, too. Could you talk a little bit about these uh, programs through which you're working? So the Faith and Solar um, Initiative is started two or three years ago with uh, the idea of uh, we want to, at the time of darkness, we want to talk about light and we want to work for light and how we can want to bring uh, people together, people of faith and spirituality together uh, to care for Earth uh, while reinvesting their saved money into their missions and building stronger communities. We found talking about light and also talking about water, we already talked a lot about water, but they go side by side. And it comes naturally when we talk with faith communities. So we have those two initiatives, uh, the Wisconsin Faith and Solar Initiative and the Faithful Rainwater Harvesting Initiative, uh, which the abbreviation is Farah, uh, means joy uh, in Arabic. So water is joy especially like rainwater and uh, and any types of uh, water flow. So both initiatives have three components. The first is a social and educational component where we are building a peer learning circle of those who have built solar or green infrastructure and uh, and those who are aspiring to do so. And so I have training uh, nationally in both the green infrastructure as well as in solar uh, assessment. So that helps me um, connect with the communities and provide them with the services. So with the second component of these two initiatives is that we have the financial component where we provide free and discounted uh, remote and, and uh, on-site solar assessments as well as green infrastructure assessments and consultations. That's where my training comes into helping out. Uh, we love spreading the good news, uh, telling people your site is a solar promising site, and we see what uh, reaction we get from that. Thirdly is the spiritual component. We see sunlight and water as the commons. No one owns them, and everyone should have access to them. Uh, both sunlight and water are sacred gifts and sacred trusts. Uh, We need to appreciate them and welcome them responsibly into our homes, congregations, and lives. That enriches my life and touches my heart as well as, and I see that happening when I connect with the community. Um, So we are tapping into the unifying power of solar energy and water. And we found through several polls in 2016 and 2017 that solar energy has high approval rating among people from diverse political social, geographical, and education backgrounds, nationally and in Wisconsin. And so, therefore, it's a place where we can all meet very joyfully. You you do one thing that I had actually hoped that we could do with our local Quaker meeting, and that is I would like to get an idea of our environmental footprint. How much impact are we living on the earth? And I had advocated for our Quaker meeting that we would do an environmental footprint, which means each household would need to do some analysis. And then as a meeting, we we rent from, from a Lutheran church, and we've talked to them about the possibility of adding solar to their building so that we would at least be carbon-free in terms of uh, our imprint as a Quaker meeting. 
Do you, within the Muslim community, do that individually or for the mosques or statewide? How Have you tried to approach uh, being determining what uh, your footprint is and reducing your environmental footprint? Well, we look at one uh, one thing at a time. It's uh, cannot do uh, all of it. So water, for example, we can look at how much water we use and then uh, how we can uh, reduce it. And it's easy to look that because you can look at the meter, water meter, you can look at the uh, consumption and you can determine um, a plan where you want to go. And with us Muslims, we have we have a goal really. It's uh, that Prophet Muhammad used to use uh, only like two handfuls of water uh, for washing before prayer. And Muslims pray a wash to purify themselves before prayer. So imagine how much water we use to purify ourselves before prayers. So uh, the Prophet used a minimum amount of water for that purpose. So we have a goal uh, from where we are right now in terms of consumption and water footprint, where we, we need to be. Uh, so that drives our water campaign and different messages, spiritual messages where we bring in, but, but we can determine it with, uh, in terms of consumption and reduction. So that's the water footprint uh, the energy footprint we look at we can determine it through the, the energy consumption and we can uh, devise a plan of how we can find out where the peak hour is and how we can they say shave it off or <laughs> like how you can reduce it in different ways you can do that and where the solar can come in for that purpose uh, perhaps if your site is a solar uh, promising site meaning that it does not have shade or you have a a flat roof, or you have a southern-facing roof, although now the technology is improving. Um, and also, if you have uh, land, um, you can install solar on it. Um, and and we start with energy efficiency. That's like the first thing. Let's look at the, your energy consumption. What's going on in your building when we do like a walkthrough and help them with, so, with the energy assessment? Uh, that way you can reduce your energy consumption before you even think about uh, um, adding solar. So there are different ways uh, to reduce your ecological footprint, but uh, the two main things that we are working on is the water and the energy. But then comes the transportation aspect. We, we, we talk about what types of transportation you take and how we can reduce that, how... In green Ramadan, we encourage people to carpool or to walk to the masjid or to um, so that we can reduce our transportation uh, footprint. Um, so there are different uh, ways you, you can do that as a community, and it's it's fun to do it in a friendly competition. Then you can see who who are the big uh, big losers, and you celebrate them. The big losers <laughs> are the ones who lose or reduce their consumption, but they are the winners uh, in other ways. If you have a big loser competition, what is the prize that you get? A calorie-reduced cake or something? You can be creative. <laughs> That's a committee. A committee can decide. We, can, we have our, in some of our events, we have a fund committee, and so that fund committee is designated or, like, its purpose is to come up with... Uh, Prizes, and then we have also a prize committee, which needs to be creative about what kind of prizes you can you can uh, encourage people to keep going. Is environmentalism and participation in the Wisconsin Green Muslims 
is it an easy sell in the Muslim community? I I think in the Quaker meeting it would be a very easy sell. That's one of the things that we're most clear about together with the group that's right here in Eau Claire. Is it an easy sell overall? Is it easy to get, uh, you know, 90% of the people participating in your friendly competition? Like, I wouldn't say that at this point, but we're here, we're moving towards that direction. That's why we're saying it's greening Ramadan campaign. We don't say it's green Ramadan, we say it's a greening Ramadan because it's a process. So we need to encourage people that come join the process. The most important thing is that you join, is that we become part of it. You, you, do, you do your... You do your part in it. Don't don't get hung up in okay, what I've done or what I. But be part of it, and things will happen. Like you will be motivated and inspired by others, and others will be inspired by your efforts. So come join, and that that matters. So um, and with the diversity of approaches that we have, uh, we we um, we allow or we facilitate for people to. To join uh, from where we meet people where they are, and that kind of makes things maybe more uh, um, easier. But we need to keep keep going on that. One of the things that's right on your page is if people go to wisconsingreenmuslims.org, the first thing they'll see is faithful rainwater harvest, and FA and the RA and the H together make Farah. Uh, what is that about? What what's faithful rainwater harvest? I just mentioned farah is means joy um, in Arabic, and so that's what goes uh, side by side with uh, with the solar. Uh, although I mean it's a separate initiative, but it's focused on on water and how we we uh, as we appreciate water, uh, but we need to to do more to uh, to have this water. Uh, be harvested or uh, in be- in better ways than than it is. So, so, so we help faith community like uh, in like in, in our mosques. We help um, install a, a roof garden, uh, a green roof, and it was uh, held on uh, an Islamic school where we have the Muslims, uh, high, um, high schools, uh, high schoolers, and middle school students. Uh, the classrooms can uh, they overlook the green roof, so that becomes part of the curriculum, and and how we, how this uh, green roof helps um, reduce storm water and and therefore helps uh, storm water runoff into the neighboring uh, rivers and, and streams, and therefore in Lake Michigan, uh, we also help uh, with. Like just guiding people through uh, using uh, rain barrels and why, and then uh, rain gardens and installation. Um, so that kind of uh, and all that guides into our uh, food um, production uh, through the community vegetable garden. How we can uh, benefit from the water gift into producing uh, food and nourishment for the community. My understanding is that green rooftops also reduce energy usage. Both they reduce the heat that's coming pouring through the roof in the summer, and I think they would also insulate so that there's less energy loss in the winter. Have you actually measured that in in your mosque? No, I have. We have not measured that, but uh, but knowing in 
it reduces um, definitely reduces uh, heat islands in, in urban settings. Just a year or two ago, the local Presbyterian church, they have a nice expanse of land. It's uh, well-placed in Eau Claire, where I live. And they created a community garden there right as part of their land. Do you have anything like that connected with the various mosques around Milwaukee? Yeah, we do. We have uh, either community uh, vegetable garden that's on um, owned land or on rented uh, land. We, we do have a variety of, of that. And are there specific vegetables that it's particularly good for a Muslim to grow? Uh, maybe stuff that's not as widely available in Wisconsin as one would hope for the, whatever cooking you had from Georgia when you were living there or from other places? Not really. I mean, we found that vegetable gardens, like Thai, it's an intergenerational service. We found like grandmothers and grandfathers like to plant and so it's a healing process as well and so for them we have a senior center next to a daycare where kids are and so you see that intergenerational uh, exchange where grandparents and uh, their or others uh, grandchildren uh, come and share different uh, growing uh, food together Um, so definitely the grandparents would like to plant some um, herbs, uh, certain herbs that they can use in cooking and bring the, the cultural and traditional uh, knowledge into it. And that exchange, uh, I kind of like to, to watch it. But in general, um, just want to mention in the Quran, uh, God mentions the grapes, onions, garlic, lentils, and many other plants, fruits. Uh, God states in the Quran, chapter 6, verse 141, It is God who produced gardens with trellises and without, and dates and tilts with produce of all kinds, and olives and pomegranates, similar in kind and different in variety. Eat of their fruit in their season, but render the dews that are proper on the day that the harvest is gathered. So this is a lesson for us. We, we bring this um, uh, verse. To, to connect with the community and tell them that eating local um, is a message that's in the Quran. That when, when it says eat of their fruit in their season, it means you eat that local message there and then the variety of the, the produce that it's all good and wholesome. What about vegetarianism or at least reducing our meat consumption? I just saw something a week or two ago that talked about a global diet that would allow the earth to sustain 10 billion people instead of the 7, 8 that we're at currently. In dealing with the Hebrew scriptures and the Christian scriptures, there's sometimes references towards a vegetarian diet, but there's also, of course, a lot of reference to eating meat. Is that uh, an issue at all in the Islamic tradition? We have in our uh, Green Ramadan calendar, we have uh, designated uh, several uh, messages here, like one of them is uh, go meat-free today. Uh, More carbon is used to produce meat than growing uh, grains, vegetables, and fruits. So we we encourage... uh, Thinking about that uh, or practicing it, and uh, and we talk about uh, like um, cook from the produce that you've uh, 
grown in your community vegetable garden, uh, so that connection and then supporting community uh, agriculture. So that that also ties with the the work that that we do. Um, uh, the Prophet Muhammad uh, didn't uh, used to eat uh, meat, like that's why also something else that we when we mentioned to the community that like he rarely ate meat. I mean, he did eat meat, and it, the meat is uh, slaughtered in in, the, in a halal way, which is uh, by pronouncing the the name of God on it, and in, in a specific thing about what type of animal you uh, you slaughter. It has to be a certain age and certain health, not all that certain conditions must be met for it to be halal. So the and the knife has to be sharp and the, all the position like very very uh, detailed uh, instructions there. But in general, he did not eat uh, a lot of meat, and so that's that's how we also drive the messages that eat less, uh, eat less meat, eat, eat more like uh, how the prophet uh, used to do it during his uh, during his life. So that, those kind of messages are like connect with the Muslim communities, like uh, what the Prophet used to do and what other messages in the Quran and uh, and so on and so forth uh, are reinforcing the work that we do. As you told me already, Huda, when you began, you began your environmental activism as part of interfaith groups, and the group that's now called Wisconsin Interfaith Power and Life is a primary one. I've seen bits and pieces of Wisconsin Interfaith Power and Light's work uh, over uh, over the years, and I've been really inspired by what they're doing. What part do you play in that organization? You said you, at one point you were president. Yeah, I was. I served there and, and for many, many years and on the board and then uh, became the president. But then my, my term ended, and uh, so, so I'm now not... Uh, not on the board uh, anymore for for that organization, but with with the Faith and Solar program, an initiative that we have, and also I just want to mention um, with the Faith and Solar program, we did a study in 2017, and it was a poll that was done by two uh, polling uh, organizations, uh, one uh, Republican and the other one Democrat. And they surveyed also a community in Eau Claire in addition to other communities in Wisconsin. So they asked uh, about uh, the Faith and Solar community and they um, explaining uh, what it is and how it's uh, connecting faith communities throughout Wisconsin and helping people of faith install solar panels on their own homes and, and congregations. And so we gathered uh, from that poll which uh, had about 927 interviews and was done in December 2017. Uh, there were about uh, total support for the Faith and Solar program, uh, like 74% support. And then in, in Eau Claire County, there were about 78% total support. <laughs> Good. I'm glad to hear that we were more strongly supportive. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it was, uh, like, pe- people from all uh, backgrounds, as I mentioned, like uh, women, men, different ages, uh, and also different political backgrounds, Democrats, Independents, and Republicans. And overall, uh, 
the, their conclusion was that three-quarters uh, of the interviewees uh, support the Faith and Solar program. So that gave us a really uh, a great hope in connecting with uh, a wide variety of uh, constituents in, uh, in Wisconsin um, and beyond around the Faith and Solar Initiative. And it's it's work that's wonderfully needed. Uh, climate change, of course, but there's so many things that are so important. Uh, there's a plaque that stands on our wall that my wife got from one of her friends. It's an Indian proverb that says, the frog does not drink up the pond in which he lives. There's so many ways in which we get out of tune with our environment, with the great blessing the, of the earth that we have. Uh, and it's really good to have people like the Wisconsin Green Muslims and Interfaith Power and Light and all of these different people trying to bring us into better harmony. And so I want to thank you, Huda, for your work with that group, with both the interfaith and within the Islamic community, and making such a difference, bringing that to Wisconsin. Yeah, and I would like also to mention that with the Solar Initiative, we've reached more than 2,500 people so far. I've given like 80 presentations. Most of them are invited to uh, 18 different faith traditions. And we uh, we would love to connect with uh, faith communities uh, all over. And I would like also to mention um, hadith uh, sayings of the Prophet Muhammad that is upon him. He's reported to have said, if doomsday is about to take place, while any one of us has a tree sapling in our hands, which we can cultivate, then cultivate it for we will be rewarded. So this is a message of active hope, and this drives the work that we do. Well, thank you for bringing active hope to our world and your witness here today to Spirit in Action. Thank you. Thank you very much. And folks, you can contact the Wisconsin Green Muslims at wisconsingreenmuslims.org. Huda Alkaf has been our guest. My thanks to Catherine Thomas for production help on today's program, and we'll see you all next week for Spirit in Action. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. Check out all things Spirit in Action on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, and I hope you find deep roots to support you to grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. With every voice, with every song, 